Okay. <clears throat> so we are in the middle of the story of Jacob taking the blessings that Isaac wanted to give Esau. So yesterday we discussed it and we sort of gave some philosophical understanding of what really is going on here and why in the world would Isaac want to bless Esau over Jacob. We didn't really get too far in the verses. So today we're actually in the middle. We're exactly up to the blessing. So just in brief, what happened yesterday to understand the storyline is that Isaac, for whatever reason, and I gave several options yesterday, understanding more or less Asaph's wickedness, exactly to the degree that God wanted him to understand it, he felt the best thing is to bless him for him to be successful in his work in the field and serving God that way, to make him a better person, to give him the ability to help Jacob, and, and many other reasons. So he wants to give him a merit. I mean, whatever he thinks, he definitely knows he needs some additional merit. So he says, go out and hunt. So in this merit of preparing the food and feeding his father, the merit of honoring his father, the blessing should rest on him. And then Rivka hears with prophetic spirit through her Ruch HaKadosh, she knows what's happening and she understands that, no, these blessings cannot go to Asa. That would be incredibly dangerous. And they must go to Jacob. And she tells him, and here's Jacob, who was a human embodiment of God's compassion, which also means God's trait of honesty. He was ultimately honest. And she told him, as the prophetess, not just as his mother, you have to listen to me. I'm a prophet, and I'm telling you this is something you have to do. You have to dress up in Asaph's clothing. You have to act as if you're Asaph, and you have to receive these blessings. The Jewish people need these blessings, and they would be very dangerous in the hands of Asaph. And he, with tremendous self-sacrifice, does this because it's completely going against his nature. Just like for Abraham to offer his son Isaac was like completely transforming his nature from kindness to that just that strictness. So to Jacob, the human embodiment of honesty, to do this was completely negating his entire being to do what God wanted. And he comes in deceiving his father, pretending he's Asaph, even though he was very careful not to literally say a lie, but still he was deceiving him. He had the goat skins on his arms, on his hands to feel hairy, and he's wearing Asaph's clothing, which Asaph had actually stolen. This was Asaph's first murder when he stole these clothing from Nimrod, who had in turn stolen them. They were originally Adam's clothing that he wore in the Garden of Eden. And when Jacob is wearing these clothing, Jacob's righteousness pulled out the scent of the Garden of Eden from these clothing. Which obviously never smelled this way when Asaph wore them. And Isaac, who was, if you remember, in the Garden of Eden for three years, the spiritual Garden of Eden, from after his binding until his marriage to Rebekah, he smells the smell of the Garden of Eden. And now that's exactly what we're up to. So we're in verse 28. And now at this point, Isaac is blessing who he thinks is Esau, but the blessings that truly the Jewish people also needed to get. So he says, this is a blessing. And may God give you from the Jew of the heavens, from the fatness of the earth, and abundant grain and wine. You could say, what? All this manipulation to get these blessings? Like, what's going on here? But there are myriads of levels of meaning that we're not going to go into in all of these blessings on, on physical levels and on spiritual levels. This was very, very significant things we're being blessed with here. 
So Rashi explains, if we, if we see the opening word is, and he will give you, and God should give you. So the question is, what do you mean, and? This, this is the opening word of your blessing. You don't start an opening sentence with, and. So Rashi said he'll give, and he'll give again. In other words, he's giving, and he's giving, and he's giving, he's giving, he's giving more. So many question that. What do you mean? We're talking about God. If it's a human being... We could say, oh, I gave you a present, and I'm giving you another present, because obviously I'm limited, and therefore my presents are limited. But God's limitless. So if God's giving, his giving is limitless. So what does it mean, and he's giving again? So there's, there's many, many different explanations on this. Some say he's giving, and he's giving the ability to utilize this. Some say you're getting now with righteousness, and then... If you sin and repent, then he gives you again. There's many, many, many different explanations on this giving and giving again. Simply, Rashi says, simply understanding, this is we're connecting it to what came before. Isaac said, see the scent of my son, and like, like the scent of, of Gan Eden, of the Garden of Eden, and additionally, God should give you all these blessings. And then Rashi adds that there's many Midrashim that interpret this verse, meaning meaning Rashi's self-defined definition of his job on the Chumash is to be someone who explains the simple, literal meaning of the text. And everything he says has to fall into that paradigm of the literal meaning. Sometimes he knows your question, because Rashi's only coming to answer questions. He knows your question. It's a great question. And he knows your answer. He's got a brilliant answer for you. But the answer is not within the paradigm of the literal meaning. He can't say it. Now, sometimes he does say Midrashim, but any Midrash he says is a Midrash that can fall within the boundaries of the literal meaning. But once it can't, he can't quote it. So he's saying, I've got, I know your question. It's a great question. Why does he start with ant? And I've got great answers for you, but I can't say them. But if you looked it up, you can find them. Now, if we're looking here, the name used is the name for God used is Elohim. First of all, we didn't have to use God's name. We could have just said He, because Isaac already referenced God in the previous verse. But if he's using a name of God, it's a very unusual name to use in a blessing, because Elohim is judgment, is law. So why is Isaac saying, may Elohim give you? So Isaac is saying, because this giving shall only be by law. In other words, this giving is if you deserve it. If you don't deserve it, you shouldn't get. So this is interesting, because this is, even though officially Isaac thinks he's speaking to Esau, he really did think he was speaking to Esau, but the blessings, of course, were stolen blessings, or really as per Jacob's energy. So for the Jewish people, all the enormous blessings God wants to give us, he can give us if we deserve it. But for non-Jews, we don't have that condition, and that's why King Solomon when he made the temple, he prayed to God that if a Jew who has native faith in you, who will accept your judgment, who acknowledges the justice of God's judgment no matter what happens, he won't say you're unfair. So for a Jew, give him what he deserves. But for a non-Jew who's lacking this deep innate faith, if he turns to you, give him even if he's not worthy, because otherwise he, he'll doubt you. He won't see the fairness in it. So this first blessing on the simple literal text is for uh, bounty and many, many, many spiritual levels as well. The next blessing is for power. 
People will serve you. Regimes will prostrate themselves to you. Be a lord to your brothers, and your mother's sons will prostrate themselves to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. So this is talking about your relating to other people and the power you should have over people. So it's interesting because Isaac says your mother's sons will bow to you. Now, why is this interesting? Because later, Jacob, this person who got the blessings here, when he in turn is blessing his son, he blesses his son Judah, that your father's sons should bow to you. And here, Isaac is saying your mother's sons. So Rashi explains that Jacob had four wives. So if he said your mother's sons, only a certain percentage of the tribes will be under Judah. So since all the tribes had to serve Judah, he said your father's son, even though the father means me, and it's sort of like a little close to home to say my son should bow to you. But by Isaac, he only had one wife, Rebecca. So therefore, he could say your mother's sons, because that included everyone. May those that curse you be cursed, and those that bless you be blessed. So this is interesting here. Rashi compares it later to Bilaam. Bilaam was the only true prophet from the Gentiles. God gave them a prophet to take away the possible um, complaint they would say, oh, of course the Jews serve you. You give them prophets that literally speak your words to them. If we had a prophet, we'd also be different. So he gave them the prophet Bilaam, and Bilaam was so wicked that he totally debased the people that listened to him and brought them to tremendous levels of immorality and inappropriate behaviors. But when Bilaam is blessing the Jews, because God's putting it in his mouth, he says, may those that bless you be blessed and those that curse you be cursed. In other words, he said in the opposite order. Here Isaac starts off with those that curse you, those that curse you be cursed and those that bless you be blessed. And Bilaam does it in reverse. Those that bless you be blessed, those that curse you be cursed. So I just said, what's the difference? So Rashi says, because a saint, a tzaddik, the beginning is characterized by suffering, and in the end, it's tranquil. So we start with the cursing, and then we then we start with people that are going to curse you and cause you pain. That's what's going to happen first in your life, and then we're going to come to those that bless you. And that's why, that's what Isaac said. That was his worldview, so to speak. But Bilaam, who was wicked, in a wicked person's life, it begins good, and then the end, of course, is suffering. And that's why by Bilaam, his worldview is you're going to start with people blessing you, and in the end you're going to end up with people cursing you. Okay, the next verse. So it was when Isaac finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob just left Isaac. So again, just, I'm sorry, just to interrupt you, we could say like, so when in the world did Jacob get here? So again, there are many, many spiritual explanations of what he got, but in the most literal sense, beyond what was coming to him, which is, of course, spirituality. Obviously, we don't see anywhere here the blessing for the land of Israel or the blessing to be God's people, because that, of course, Isaac knew what he was blessing Jacob with. That wasn't what he was even thinking of giving that to, to Asaph. But on the literal level, he's blessing Asaph for whatever reason with a lot of physical power, physical wealth, physical power, power over the other nations. So we truly have to, so to speak, steal that, meaning, oh, we're supposed to be the spiritual ones, the holy ones. But God knows for us to be the spiritual ones and the holy ones, we need a lot of physicality. We need physicality to have the power and strength to have the tranquility to be able to serve God. We need physicality because we have to take a lot of the physical and use it to serve God and make it very spiritual. So what we achieve by these blessings, by Jacob being dressed in Asa's clothing, 
is to not only have our own advantage, but to have Esau's advantage as well. So it was, when Isaac finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob just left for the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came back from the hunting. And he also, so I'm sorry, and here there's a Rashi. Rashi says, Yetzo Yetza Yaakov. Jacob went out, went out. He just went out. Which Rashi says, why do we have this double expression? Because it means this one left and this one came. Meaning Jacob left the tent and Esau came back in to the tents. And he too made delicacies and brought them to his father. And he said to his father, now here just imagine the scene. Isaac is thinking he just blessed Esau. And then lo and behold, Esau comes in and says, Father should rise and eat of his son's game so that your soul will bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? Meaning, I, I just blessed you. Who are you? What's going on here? And he said to him, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. And a- Isaac trembled, a great trembling. And he said, Who? Where? If so, is he the one who caught the game and brought it to me and ate of all when you had not yet come? And I blessed him. He shall also be blessed. So this is Isaac's reaction. So Isaac has a lot of reactions here. First thing is he starts trembling. So Rashi explains why is he trembling. He was so shocked. The Midrash, then Rashi gives another explanation. He's shocked and trembling. Like he thinks he's blessing Asa, but now Asa comes in. Like what just went on? The Midrash says that under Asa he saw Gehenna. So the, so to speak, fires, obviously, it's a metaphysical concept of all the purgatory that surrounded Esau. Just as when Isaac came, when Jacob came in, he smelled the Garden of Eden. When Esau was coming in, he senses the fires of the purgatory, and that was his trembling, which obviously he did not normally see when Esau came in, just as he did not normally smell the Garden of Eden when Jacob came in. So there we know why. And he said, who, Apho, now Apho here is, is an unusual word, usually it means where, but that would be with a hey at the end, this has an olive, so Rashi explains, means where is the one that was here? Who is he and where was he? The one who, who, who already brought me the food, like what's going on? And then he said, and I ate from all. What, is, what does he mean, I ate from all? I mean, Jacob prepared a whole goat here. I mean, I didn't eat a whole goat. So he was saying, all the flavors I wanted to taste, I tasted in it. That was the all. Whatever I wanted, I sensed in this. And then he said, so first, first, okay, first he's trembling, he's shocked. He's seeing the purgatory. And, and he said, wait, who, who was the one that, 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 that? And then he said, he shall also be blessed. So at this point, like, duh, now I get it. Obviously, the only one that could have done this was Jacob. Who in the world could have come in? And I thought he was Asaph, and he sounded like Asaph. Obviously, it was very easy for um, Jacob to imitate Asaph's voice. And he felt like Asaph. And I gave him the blessing, and I know the blessing was absorbed by him. So now I'm consciously saying, yes, even though he tricked me, he is blessed, which Rashi says means that consciously here, 
Isaac is consenting to what Jacob did. Meaning, even though Jacob received the blessings through this deceit, but once Isaac understood, because obviously once he knew it wasn't Esau, who was that guy? The only person it could have been was Jacob. He says, oh, now that I know it's Jacob, I understand this was God's will. My previous thinking was wrong. I always knew Jacob was the holier one. But I understand he is the one that was supposed to receive the blessings, and I'm consciously blessing him. We are in the middle of the portion of Chumash, and we will end at this point. Good Shabbos.